I'm Ali Wine, a non-resident senior fellow with the Atlantic Council. And I'm Abe Denmark, a director of the Asia program at the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars. Abe, the Wilson Center recently launched an incredible collection of 12 essays and four video interviews that weigh how the Pacific War continues to shape Asia's geopolitics 75 years later. Your contribution is entitled The Promise and Perils of Historical Analogy, and you concluded by noting that, quote, navigating the dangerous complexities of U.S.-China competition will require learning from the past without being beholden to it. And so what frame should we be using to think about that competition? Is it the run-up to World War I? Is it the Cold War? Is it none of the above? Yeah, uh, thanks, Ali. I, I think each of them could, um, does offer some lessons for how to think about um, U.S.-China competition. Uh, World War I does offer some in terms of uh, the interaction of great powers and the potential for peripheral conflicts to escalate uh, quite quickly into broader conflicts. Um, similarly, I think the Cold War uh, uh, suggests challenges about nuclear deterrence, um, challenges about uh, two powers that are uh, in a global context. Um, but the, the point of the uh, essay is less to sort of weigh in on what's the best model to understand U.S.-China competition, but rather to point out that if you, if one were to take historical lessons and ignore the context or ignore some of the key factors of what mm. makes that what makes that um, historical analogy interesting, um, that it could actually blind you to some of the important features of what you're actually dealing with now, and drive you down uh, an unhelpful road. Yeah. And, and so if you were distilling, and I, I realize obviously the US-China competition, it is global in scale, it is multidimensional, but to the extent that you can, if you were distilling the, the crux of the competition, do you think that there is sort of a distillable essence of the competition or is that is that question too reductionist? Well, the way I talk about it, and it is a, a fairly reductionist, If I when I look at descriptions of US-China competition, uh, to me, it generally borders down to two areas uh, um, that the United States and China are competing over, um, uh, power and order, uh, competing mm. in terms of relative measures of absolute power, um, economic power, military capabilities, um, political influence. Uh, but beyond that, it's the United States and China are also competing over the future of international order. Um, mm. And um, in the Indo-Pacific I, uh, I've noted that uh, regional order seems to flow out of the balance of power. So to me, it's a very uh, natural and predictable challenge that as China is rising, uh, that it will um, challenge the fundamental post-war liberal order that the United States and American power uh, has created and sustained. Um, so to me, when you boil things down, and it, it is, I guess, fairly reductionist, um, ultimately, those are the two pieces that the United States and China are competing over, power and uh, what you do with it in terms of shaping the international order. And so let's drill down a little bit. I, I want to talk a little bit more about this this latter point that you made. So you, you, you hone in on power and order, and you said that the Indo-Pacific regional order, or I guess for that matter, any the order of any given region, it flows out of the balance of power. And obviously, you know, we talk a lot about the bilateral context, the U.S.-China competition. But um, as we look at how that competition is playing out in the Asia-Pacific or in the Indo-Pacific, a critical part of the balance of power and a key force multiplier for the United States is obviously 
this very long-standing, robust network of, of allies and partners. And you talk about this network in your new book. Uh, so this, for, for folks who are listening, um, Abe just published a really important new book on August 18th. It came out from Columbia University Press. And it's entitled U.S. Strategy in the Asian Century. And the subtitle is Empowering Allies and Partners. And I want to ask you in the remaining time that we have, what steps can the United States take to strengthen its diplomatic, military, and economic partnerships in the region without undertaking to contain China and without making its partners feel as if it's instrumentalizing them as part of a bilateral competition with China? Yeah, thanks, Ali. I, I think at, at its core, uh, the book's argument is to understand where allies are coming from, that um, they don't trust the Chinese, they don't particularly like the Chinese, but they see that China is close, China is increasingly powerful. Um, and so the United States needs to be able to tailor its strategy in a way that's um, more palatable to, uh, to our, what our allies and partners want to do. Um, so mm -hmm. in that case, for countries where maintaining relationship with China is important, um, it suggests that instead of um, beating them over the head about you need to do this against China, you need to do that against China, having a more positive strategy that talks about building order in a way that's in their interests, uh, in a way mm. that reflects their values, um, but also has a has the added benefit of also reinforcing the principles and the underlying uh, balance of power that has supported American interests for the last uh, several decades. And so you make a distinction almost between affirmation and exhortation. The United States should affirm certain core tenets of this order without exhorting allies and partners to take steps A, B, or C. Well, there's a, a bit of that, but mostly it's about having the confidence to compete, that given a choice between an American system, a Chinese system, they choose us. 